You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, and really my everything at Eric Dalala. Eric, What's going on? You enjoying Indy? I always enjoy Indy, Phil. There's a, a beautiful snow flurry in the sky. It's gray. That's true. It's dark. It's, uh, but there's hope. How the combine is supposed to be. Exactly. Uh, we have brought the neutral zone on the road. We are recording on location right next to the podium number one here inside the Indianapolis Convention Center. This is where all the action takes place. Well, we're here. You know, we're here. We wouldn't be anywhere that the action wasn't. Exactly. So, And this is going to be one tremendous episode of the Neutral Zone. You could probably hear a little bit of ambient noise behind us. That's because that's where they're doing the bench press right now. And, of course, the way the combine is set up now, fans could come and uh, pay. I don't know if they have to pay, but they can get a ticket and watch uh, the prospects do the bench press, but we've got a tremendous show. We're going to hear from John Elway and Vic Fangio. We'll get their thoughts on uh, the latest from from the Broncos. We'll get John Elway's thoughts on Drew Locke and uh, Vic Fangio's approach to the combine. Plus, uh, we'll hear from some national media members. We talked, we caught up with the NFL Network's Peter Schrager and as well as uh, Steve Weish. Plus, uh, we'll hear from Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Draft Net or NFL Network's draft guru. We'll ask him about uh, where he thinks the Broncos might be looking. But uh, first up, Erica, let's hear from John Elway. He was asked if he feels like Drew Locke is the guy moving forward. Well, we're thrilled the way that, uh, you know, Drew finished, you know, finished four and one. And I think that uh, where we sit right now, there's no question Drew is, you know, the guy that uh, we're looking to. And so uh, obviously you want to be able to improve as a football team get him some weapons on the offensive side but also do some things on defensive side so you know the process begins now it's, you know it's begun we've been in you know evaluations of the free agent class and and uh, now that we're here getting the numbers on the on the college kids and you know from this point on we'll start developing that plan and get better on both sides so not sure quite sure what to make of what john elway said there he said that we're going all in behind drew lock and filling the pieces but then he didn't want to say for sure that he was the guy moving forward. It, it, it was kind of like um, tempering his uh, expectations or excitement level, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you never want to deal in absolutes, I don't think. But that was about as close as uh, John Elway has gotten to saying that Drew Locke is the guy moving forward. And I think it makes sense because, you know, going into 2020, who knows what's going to happen? You know, things could go great. Drew could be the guy for 10 years. Or they could not be so great, and we could be at the same place next year looking for another cue. I don't think so with this guy, though. Yeah, he was saying, like, uh, yeah, well, you know, the question was about if Drew Locke is a guy. And then he starts talking about that a little bit. And then he says, yeah, we got to fill in pieces and we got to get better on defense. And, you know, well, we got to get better on both sides of the football. So, um, interesting. John always uh, trying to apply pressure in different ways, I think, to Drew Locke, motivational tactics. Uh, let's welcome in Matt Boyer now. Matt, you had a chance oh, guys, to. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah. You had a chance to sit down with John. Uh, what was that conversation like? What, what were your big takeaways from uh, chatting with Elway? Uh, a couple of them were the fact that you, I can hear the... the uh, are yeah, we, we already, uh, talk, they, no, we already talked up? about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. 
I think one of the one of the big things that I, I took away from the interview was the fact that John said that in these interviews with these prospects here, there's not much that a prospect can do to kind of take him over the top, but there's a lot that a prospect can do to totally eliminate himself from consideration. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting, you mentioned Drew Locke, the fact that he's so high on Mike Shula and Pat Shermer with regards to quarterback development, maybe not so much surprise, but just the fact that it's it's kind of reinforced what everybody here has said that I've talked with around the combine, the fact that I think that uh, he believes Shermer and Shula will both be critical for his development and kind of build on the things that Drew was able to do last year. Mike, could you get a sense from John of just how big these next few weeks are going to be for the franchise in terms of what this team can do this year and moving forward? I talked to him about the fact that he spent he has now spent what amounts to months of his life in the in the Indianapolis convention halls with between the combine and so games. Am I. And, yeah, you too. Yeah. You're nearing a month too, I believe. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I I think when he was talking about the psych evaluations and the medical evaluations and all the things that, that the prospects have to go through, you could get a sense for how much they value what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. And he talked about stacking draft classes. They've been able to do that the last couple of years with, you know, last year, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, and even the year before that with uh, Sutton, Chubb and even undrafted Philip Lindsay. So I think he's definitely um, he's definitely a believer that while yes the combine might not have a lot of entertainment value for a lot of people, it is in prime time now. But I, I think that the uh, the ins and outs, the the minutia of what the combine is, he values greatly. You know we got free agency coming up too. Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on with uh, in John's world. We're, what do you think he he's going to make a big splash here, or what do you think he's going to do in free agency? It feels like we always talk about big splashes, and then like, I like big splashes. I know we always talk. It's about, exciting, but don't we always talk about big splashes, and then and then you know we're almost underwhelmed. I mean, do you think we'll last year was happens. a big was a big splash year? No, but I think that when Peyton Manning was there, made big splashes. I think that we're starting to get back into that realm where we're close to making the playoffs. You make a move there, bumps you in, and then maybe you make some more moves, and then you're in. in contention for a title. I guess it depends on your definition of big splash, right? Because you think about Kareem Jackson last year. Not everybody thought when it happened, everybody was kind of like, well, okay. Like, not really a big splash move. But then he comes in and plays at, you know, almost a Pro Bowl level. So it, it, it kind of, it, it just, I, I think that we're going to see some types of moves, but I wouldn't be disappointed if down, initially we're underwhelmed and then the guy kind of blows up in the way that Kareem Jackson did last year. I want a name. I want, want a name? I want a, I want them to be replaying the Super Bowl on NFL Network, and they cut into the program to say, breaking news, the Broncos have signed this free agent. I want it to be that type of guy. It needs to be that type of guy for you? Who is that guy I for like you? I like it. Was, Who's that guy for you? Uh, for me, that guy would be Chris Jones, but okay. uh, there are several guys that I think would be okay. It's also interesting because, you know, with, with the uh, – we're close to possibly a CBA agreement, you know, so I don't know how that's going to affect free agency or what kind of wrinkles that's going to include. So, but I am, I, I do think, to your point, Phil, this free agency period is, is going to be uh, unlike one we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I think that, uh, well, we'll get to a little bit more free agency later on in the show, but uh, I do think that the money the Broncos can spend, I think that they are going to be out looking for some of the top tier guys when that hasn't really been the case the last couple of years. Um, 
back to Drew Locke a little bit here. You know, so much talk about filling in pieces around him, uh, what the Broncos might be able to do to help this offense be more aggressive with Pat Shermer. What do you get the sense from John that he thinks the missing ingredient is going to be to get this offense cooking again? I think he, I think he wants to add weapons around. I think we heard it in his press conference too that I think this wide receiver class – is very deep, he said as much, I think. Now, whether or not they're going to go out and draft a wideout in the first round, who knows? It might be one of those situations where the class is so deep, you can wait until, you know, rounds three, four, even five maybe, and, and get a quality wideout. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be imperative to, one, add a weapon or two around Drew to kind of give him some options, open things up, and then you got to get him some protection, I think. They've done a nice job, John has and his personnel staff, evaluating offensive line talent they've put They've developed Con- they developed Connor McGovern into a, a pretty um, a, pr- a a pretty good center. I, he hasn't played at a Pro Bowl level by any means, but uh, oh, I think Dalton definitely. Reisner was a great pick last year. So we'll we'll see if that trend kind of continues to develop. A lot of question marks for the Broncos. Uh, you can find Matt's interview with John Elway on DenverBroncos.com or the Broncos official YouTube page. Are you guys plugging that? Have you guys been plugging that a lot? Oh, on the show? we've just been plugging it the whole time. Okay. Um, where else can they do it? I think TuneIn, Stitcher. No, that's a that's a podcast. yeah. That's where the podcasts okay. are. Broncos three sixty five app. Are Check we making are we making the LA interview into right a podcast? Now. Can we can we, we podcast that. that? Yeah, we could do that. Just buy. all five minutes of it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Matt, what's been the most enjoyable part about being an indie for you? Oh, spending time with my best friends Eric Delala and Phil Milani, as well as podcast producer. Is it podcast producer? Podcast supervisor uh, Ben Swanson. Potential podcast supervisor. Okay. Okay. He's been trying out for the role for the past several weeks um, this week How's unavailable. He uh, He's not here for this episode, which is probably bad for his chances. Oh. Yeah, we want a guy who's just dedicated okay. all the time. But so this he's time, just, how, what's the application process like? He just t- has to continually reapply? Yeah. If you have to ask, you'll never really know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, don't pass out in a steakhouse in Indy and where you're unable to come to work. Yeah, has about, that ever happened? Yeah, late, late in the dark corners of the city is when you prove that you can become a podcast supervisor. What's I, the What's the best thing you've eaten so far this week? I had a nice steak. Okay. I had a St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail. That's That's your favorite so far. I had a, some nice chicken the other night. Okay. What was the chicken? Uh, oh, the, the eagle. From the eagle. Nice. I don't want to give away all my combine secrets. Though, oh, you, so. get, you got your spots that you can't divulge. Yeah, okay. exactly. The wait, the wait times are already high enough. Okay, fine, fair enough. As an R, I like anything that I can scoop. You know, that's uh, only ice cream for Eric. Was and a- me too, because I'm also an R. <laughs> so, are food puns prevalent on this podcast? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, any shout outs here, man? Shout out to. Uh, shout out to you two for having me on. Shout out to Phil and, and Eric. Shout out to little Colin back home. Yeah. Three-month-old Baby Colin. Baby Boyer. Yeah. Uh, let's shout see. out to the fam. Shout out to the fam. Um, shout out to all the Broncos scouts that I've seen walk in the halls. That's true. They're busy. So all the Broncos personnel that have had to spend a week here. This is tough. I mean, we haven't seen the sun in three days. That's true. We live with the uh, artificial lighting and uh, oxygen in here. You haven't seen your son in three days. That's that is also true. <laughs> Speaking of puns, Eric's there it on is. A roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you for uh, hopping on again. Check out Matt's interview one on one, one on one with the Broncos president of football operations and general manager. Uh, 
must be very small font on his business card. Get because it it's a lot to get in there. Yeah, man. So, anything, Eric? Or just a big business card. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It probably fits in a, his big wallet. Our business card is just, it's just one letter. It just says R. Exactly. That's all you need to know. So, uh, Matt, thanks for hopping on. Uh, now we're going to hear from a couple of national reporters to get their thoughts on what direction the Broncos are heading in. Uh, first up, Peter Schrager, and then Steve Weish, both from NFL Network. Like, great. Like, Drew Locke was really good. I didn't know if Drew Locke was good. I In the draft last year, everyone was like, there are three first-round quarterbacks and maybe Drew Locke. Well, he doesn't go in the first round. And then he showed some swag. He showed some ability. And you're like, wait a second. Is he the best one out of all of them? Like, I'd be excited if I'm a Broncos fan, and I'm a huge Pat Shermer fan. Like, I've gotten to know Pat not only from his Giants days but from his Eagles days, and I think he's great with quarterbacks, and I, I would be very excited if I'm a Broncos fan about the most important position on the field, and that's quarterback. And I know it's been – I know Peyton had his year. It's been a bit where you guys have kind of been a rotating door there, but I think you found your guy. I think people are kind of wondering what direction they are headed in, you know, because last year they had some quarterback decisions they had to make, so it looks like Drew Locke is going to be their player that they're moving forward with so okay so what are you going to surround them with i mean you know the offensive line they've got some decisions to make there in free agency um are, are they going to continue to try to support a young quarterback by building that offensive line we know Cortland sutton's a stud wide receiver they've got some nice players at tight end so he's got some pieces there and we know at running back okay they're, they're pretty well set there they've got some pretty good depth defensively Vic fangio's strength i mean we know Chubb is coming back from that injury, but that's an area they've, they've got to tighten up and got to sign your safety on the back and can't let him go. Our thanks there to uh, Peter Schrager and Steve Weish. Uh, Weish says, hey, the Broncos have to re-sign Justin Simmons. And we heard uh, John Elway say that the plan is to work on a deal with him, and at the very least the Broncos will franchise tag him. But, uh, Eric, that wasn't the only news we heard from John Elway from uh, the podium here in Indianapolis. Yeah, you know, Simmons is kind of that big national piece that people are talking about, but a lot of other moving pieces. You've got some free agents and Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris. Elway said could potentially have all of them back, but the numbers have to work out. Vic Fangio said he'd like all three of those guys back. Uh, we'll see shortly what happens with that. We know Ron Leary, uh, the right guard, will not be back after three seasons in Denver. The Broncos are going to decline his option while picking up team options for Todd Davis and Brandon McManus. Um, you know, for Brandon McManus, I think that means for sure he'll be the kicker, you know, moving into the season. Todd Davis, less certain about that just because of the the way that's structured money-wise. Um, so, so those were a few big updates there. And then we still don't know about the fifth-year option for Garrett Bowles. He's under contract this year but they could keep him under contract for 2021 as well. John always said they're going to wait until after the draft to figure that out. I think May 3rd is the deadline, so got a little bit of time there. But, you know, Phil, we've seen some of these prospects, and we'll talk about them, but a lot of offensive linemen, so maybe that could play into whether or not Garrett Bowles is back. Yeah, I was going to say the biggest thing to me was that they've not made a decision yet on Garrett Bowles, uh, and that means that alignment is definitely in play for the Broncos, especially early on in this draft. We've heard some of the prospects that have come through the room here. They've said, hey, yeah, we have met with the Broncos. So the Broncos are definitely at least doing their homework on potentially a Garrett Bowles replacement. Um, I do think the Broncos at some point are going to be looking to draft an offensive 
Freeman, you know, as, with the Ron Leary news, knowing that he is not going to be uh, coming back. So they do have a hole there. I think the Broncos could also look to fill a, the center position. We know that uh, Connor McGovern might not be back. So um, uh, when you look along the line, there are some question marks there as the Broncos move forward through what John Elway said was probably the most important offseason of his tenure in Denver. Yeah, some of that had to do with, you know, the amount of picks the Broncos have. Some of that has to do with the cap space they'll have. Um, but he but, said a lot of it is that they've had three losing seasons in a row, and so he's he's tired of that. He said he's going to temper his expectations. He's not going to promise playoffs or anything like that, but it's clear um, he wants to change that, and they're going to have the money, you know. They said they don't know what's going to go on with Joe Flacco quite yet. He'll make that decision. Elway will in the next few days. Um but if he's gone with Leary, you could have you know $80 million of cap space. And so uh, certainly some room for the Broncos to make a splash. Another guy that we, we heard a little bit about was Bradley Chubb, obviously the 2018 first-round pick. Um, Vic Fangio said you probably won't see him on the field until training camp, but he's doing really well, and there's no reason to think he won't be as good as he was before. Bryce Callahan could come back for OTAs, and then Bosby, uh, Devontae Bosby, if I believe he's a restricted free agent. If the Broncos choose to bring him back, he'll be ready to go. But it does feel like this is a big offseason for the Broncos. I mean, you heard from a couple of national media members there. They feel like the Broncos are heading in the right direction. But there's still a lot of question marks. And with the amount of money that they have to spend, uh, it does feel like this Broncos team could really make a significant jump this offseason. Uh, Eric, we've talked a lot about free agents and we did a video on denverbroncos.com along with steve atwater about some free agents that the broncos could go after um it, it does feel like there's a lot on the table for them to balance while they're here in indy because that's when uh you know a lot of uh talks around the league go on you know where and some of these uh, late-night bars and stuff, they talk with agents and about setting up what uh, expectations are. And, you know, I do think the Broncos could make a splash here, uh, something similar to when John Elway first came to the Broncos, maybe uh, bring in a, a big haul of free agents. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because we're two months kind of removed from the season, and we still don't know much more than we did the day the season ended, you know. And they've been a little more confident in Drew Locke, we know a little bit more in terms of draft positioning and things like that, but you know we don't know a whole lot about what they're going to do in free agency, what they're going to do in the draft. And so over the next six weeks, you're going to get a really good idea of what the Broncos are going to look like going into 2020. And like you said, they've got some options. You can either choose to – you know, some teams are limited to depth pieces only. The Broncos can choose to go get two big-name free agents and then fill in around them, or they could get – six or seven moderate guys you know and so the direction they choose to go to or choose to go in um, I think is going to reveal itself here pretty soon and that's when we'll have a better idea of hey are the Broncos all in on this year because if, yeah. if you choose to pay a, a Chris Jones or a Byron Jones or a Amari Cooper you know if if it's one of those guys I think to me that signifies they think they're ready to yeah. take a step and they're definitely ready to uh 
at least make the playoffs. I know that that's where a lot of the goals start is, hey, let's try to make the playoffs. Let's try to win the division. And if they want to do that, they can. They have the ability this offseason to significantly ramp up the roster. And, uh, you know, they also have a lot of draft picks and a lot of uh, the work that's taking place here in Indy is going to help the Broncos get an idea of the direction they want to go in. Uh, Vic Fangio was uh, asked about, hey, how do you like to spend the, the meeting time when they get to uh, spend 18 minutes with a prospect. Here's what he had to say about how he approaches that time. I just want to see him talk and, you know, if they have some particular issues that need to be ironed out that we need to know about, obviously that's part of it. But um, I just like to watch them talk and then as they're talking, I may interject a uh, question or two. But I, I think it's really hard to say you can walk out of a 15 or now 18 minute interview and say you got this guy pegged one way or the other. I'm not that intelligent, you know, and I don't think anybody else is, to be honest with you. You know, I just think, I think you I can identify, like sometimes I'll write a note on my pad, we need to do more work on this guy. We need to dig more. So, Eric, an important 18 minutes that the Broncos get to spend with some of these prospects, and at the very least, like Fangio said, they know, okay, maybe we need to do some more homework on this guy and see if uh, he could fit and if he fits the mold of a Bronco. Yeah, and that's a, a smart approach because Vic said, you know, I'm not smart enough to know in 18 minutes if this guy is a perfect fit to know everything about him. He said he wasn't sure anybody else was that smart either, but yeah, it's kind of offensive to yeah, you and me. Yeah, he just kind of slammed Yeah, like how does us. he know? Yeah. I get a pretty I good mean, read of we, people pretty quickly. We read a lot of mock drafts. Yeah, exactly. So, we know. Yeah. But, but no, I think uh, it's one piece of the puzzle. It's kind of maybe the second one after the Senior Bowl. Um and it's just going to be another kind of component to figuring out which of these guys fits. But I, I kind of have a good idea when I'm at the combine now, based on what John has done over the last two years. When I'm kind of I'm going down this this row of podiums that were in front of Phil, and I look and I see this guy was a three-time team captain. This guy's a redshirt senior. This guy played the last three years. To me, right now, that screams Bronco. Yeah, exactly. And if it's a guy that is, you know, he's been in college for, you know, he's a, a redshirt sophomore and is coming out, or, you know, maybe he only played one year of, you know, as a starter. To me, we we saw that a few years ago and it didn't work. And so in my head I kind of go, well, that guy would have to be really special for the Broncos to take a chance on that guy because we've seen the last few years the Bradley Chubb, you know, the Noah Fant, you know, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke. Those are all guys that are that kind of fit that mold. And so – it is interesting. I don't. I don't think you can ever pin down exactly what a team's going to do, but to me, I feel like I have a good sense now of what John Elway's looking to do with his draft classes. Most definitely. I mean, when we see guys step up to the podium, you've heard a lot about the players, you've seen them play college, you've seen their highlights, but once you actually get to see them in person, you have a totally different uh, perspective on who they are as people and even their body size too. I mean, uh, we were uh, here on uh, Wednesday morning, we saw the offensive linemen come through here and Makai Becton is humongous and you just feel that presence and you're like whoa this guy's big so I definitely think that there's part of the combine where you're like 
you just get a different perspective on some of these guys, and I agree with you. When you hear them answer questions at the podium, you, you say to yourself, this guy seems mature. This guy seems like he gets what uh, – you know his role is going to be next season he understands that he's got a lot of work left to do and to me those types of things sound like Denver Broncos yeah I think the maturity is a big thing to me because a lot of these guys that came in the last couple years they have that maturity when they get there that's what I felt with Drew Locke I mean half the battle at quarterback is having that maturity that confidence he's got that Dalton Reisner had that we mentioned Bradley Chubb Fant I mean those are the type of guys that you're looking for and so say prospect a steps up to the podium and he's a he played one season and you know he doesn't seem quite as mature maybe to me that doesn't seem like a bronco at this point yeah and you could tell pretty quickly if a guy is really well spoken and uh he's mature and he understands what his role is like versus a guy who who comes in and says well, I want the ball all the time in my hands, and I'm this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. While it's good to have confidence, some of the guys, I think, uh, get crossed off. And that's just when they're talking with the podium, never mind when they're in a private 18-minute interview in a suite. And we should note that this year uh, the suite, the interview time has been moved inside Lucas Oil Stadium in years past. Those interviews have been conducted inside a hotel room. This year, because of the way they've changed the schedule, all of those private interviews are now done inside a suite at Lucas Oil Stadium. So um, definitely interesting to see how the Broncos approach that. And uh, I agree with Vic. You just sort of sit back, hear what they have to say, and then say, okay, let's do some more homework on a few of these guys. But uh, we know that there's a lot of talent in this year's draft class. We had a chance to catch up with NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, and the first thing we asked him was, what's the deepest part of this draft? I think it's wide receiver. I know much has been made of this wide receiver group, just the overall depth that, that is there. Um, but I, there are other positions as well. I think when you look at the corner position is really deep. Um, you look at the running back position, I think, is deep as well. So need a skill guy, this is a good year. Do you think the Broncos need a skill guy? What's the best fit for Denver? I think you look at the wide receiver position, you know, finding somebody to compliment Cortland Sutton and going on to the future and growing with your young quarterback. I think that makes some sense. Um, you know, somebody with some big time speed to compliment him. I would love, I mean, Henry Ruggs would be a home run pick um, if he were to get there. I'm not so sure that, that they'll have an opportunity to do that, but uh, that to me, fit wise, man, that would be fun to watch. Uh, what, how do you balance that, though, knowing that there's a lot of depth there, so maybe you don't go early with a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to, you're, you're going to, have to be a special player at receiver to be taken in the first round because there's so many options in the in the rounds after. So, in my opinion, Ruggs is that type of player. Our thanks to uh, Daniel Jeremiah for joining the neutral zone there for a second. And uh, Eric, he says that uh, Henry Ruggs would be a home run for the Broncos. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm kind of torn if I want the Broncos to take the wide receiver approach at 15, or if I want them to take. The offensive line approach, you know, say you lose Connor McGovern, Ron Leary's gone. You know, if you if you were to pick up another guard, you know, to complement Dalton Reisner, maybe that's a direction you could go in. But I mean, if you get Henry Ruggs and all of a sudden all of a sudden you've got Corlin Sutton, Henry Ruggs, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant as your weapons for Drew Locke, nobody's gonna complain about that. No, I don't think so. And I think that one of the things that this Broncos offense is missing right now is that speed element. You know, we know what Philip Lindsay can do when he gets in open space and boom, he's a home run threat. Now think about 
that, but at the wide receiver position and maybe a little bit of a bigger body, a guy who can just really change the dynamic of this Broncos offense. Because if you've got uh, the home run threat and you've got the big 50-50 ball guy and then you've got Fant underneath, I think things will open up big time. And we've seen how much of the of a focus the offense has been for the, Bronco, the Broncos this offseason, bringing in Pat Shermer, so much talk about trying to take more shots and being aggressive, while Henry Ruggs checks all those boxes. Yeah, I do think you have to consider where the where the deep part of the draft is. And because receiver is so deep, you think maybe we could wait till the second round for that and pick up one of those premier either tackles or guards in the first round because if you got to go out and pay a guard in free agency that's going to be really expensive and yeah. so maybe it's better to do that in the draft so that's kind of where i lean i mean i look at tristan Wirfs from iowa you know big guy talked at the podium today probably on Wednesday. ate a lot of corn a lot of corn he said he was maybe the understatement of uh all time he said wrestling's pretty big in iowa yeah that's yeah that's correct I, can't I like, I like some of those wrestlers when they turn into offensive linemen because yeah. they got that little, work ethic. A little cauliflower here? I don't like the cauliflower. You don't like yeah, that? No, I, I could do without that. But, but but say you got him at 15 if he's there, which I'm not sure if he's going to be. He's he's could be the first probably one. the best guard prospect um, and maybe the second best tackle, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Um, but if he's there, maybe you take him and then you know pick a receiver in the second round and – I thought something that Elway said when he was at the podium was interesting. He said people talk about deep classes, but they mean there's five guys, but then they're all taken really quickly. And so if you don't get one of those guys, it's not really deep. Yeah. But he said this wide receiver class is actually deep where I think we know Daniel Jeremiah has 27 guys with first three round grades on them. So it's quite possible that you could pick again in the second round and have some some nice options yeah i think we know about the uh special types of talent that are at the top end of that wide receiver class we're talking about guys like jerry judy cd lamb t higgins uh lavisca chenault i think where did he go to school colorado yeah i think that's right who do you play for so, to you who do you play for yeah uh, he played for the buffs he caught passes from Steven Montez. Got it. That's Steven Montez uh, yep. maybe won the podium. You think so? In turn, he said, I have the strongest arm yeah. in the entire Very draft. Very confident? Yeah. I do think that uh, Steven Montez is probably like a fifth or sixth round kind of quarterback. I think that guy's will take a flyer on him. He's athletic. He's got a strong arm. I think that if he learns the game a little bit better and doesn't take as many risks, I think that he could be a quality quarterback in this league. I. Uh, at the very least, as a backup. This is so a CU podcast now. Back. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Let me get back to the, uh, the Broncos Vic here. also talked about CU but, basketball, so yeah, it was just did. quite See, the weekend for you. Just turn it. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think that if you draft one of those uh, wide receivers, like Daniel Jeremiah said, they got to be pretty special. And I do think that one of them are going to be really special, and I think they could fit well with the Broncos. And I do think that they're – you have a decision here. You either take one of the special wide receivers and then take a different offensive lineman that could still come in and contribute right away, or you could flip that and take one of the special offensive linemen and then find a different wide receiver a little bit later on. So I do think those are two areas of priority. Um, I also think that maybe interior defensive line, I think John Elway said that was actually the deepest part of this year's draft. So um, a lot of different options the Broncos could go in here. And, you know, we heard that, both John and Vic say that they would prefer the draft to be 
before free agency. That's interesting. Yeah. Has anyone on this podcast ever said that before? I don't know. I'm not sure who said that. I feel like I I disagree with that. I like to get the free agency part of it out of the way because then that is a known commodity. You know that if you sign Amari Cooper, you know what he's going to do. So then you, it, it's more of a sure thing, because then once you go into, once you go into the draft, then you're like, okay, we've got these sure things here, and then you move forward. So you like kind of an off-season sandwich because it's free agency, then the draft, and then more free agency after that, and then whatever you didn't get, yeah, there's more to free get, agency. You can get some of those second wave, third, third yeah, wave. So you like a guys. sandwich. See, I would just like it if you could just. Draft it out, and then you just do one. But then, just free agency just happens. Okay, so say like, uh, say like you go to the draft first, right? Yeah. And then you're not able to get one of those premier wide receivers. Uh-huh. Then you go into free agency, and you're like, we have got to pay this guy big bucks because we we don't have any other options. At least if you go through free agency first, you have some wiggle room there. Where say if a guy you want a wide receiver, Amari Cooper is like, hey, I'm going to cost a gajillion dollars. Okay, well we don't want to pay that, so we're going to go to the draft instead. I feel like you got a little bit more wiggle room. I think in theory what you're saying is maybe true, but I think in practice what would end up happening is if you needed a receiver, you'd take one in the draft or you sign an undrafted college free agent, a bunch of them, and then you'd go to real free agency and the market would drop for those guys. I mean, we heard that That's John true, the market said would drop. the union would never go for it because they want to prioritize these vet guys yeah. over rookies. And that's so that's, that to me is the difference is that – it would maybe not the stars like the Amari Coopers, but some of these lower level yeah, guys. They that would are, get phased out. Like say, uh, Will Parks was a great player for the Broncos, but if the draft happened first and people took a safety in the sixth round or the fifth round, and then it was time for Will Parks to sign a free agent contract, could it could impact a guy like that if you did the draft first? And and think about this uh, from like a player's perspective. There's 53 spots on the team. This year, the Broncos have 12 draft picks. Something like that, yeah. It's still a little up in the air because of compensatories. Say they have 12 draft picks. I mean, that's almost a quarter of all available spots are going to be replaced by a young, cheaper commodity. And then you add in some free agents that come in, and boom. You know, the roster turnover is huge. The competition is huge. And uh, that's what makes the NFL great. you got to be really good to to last a long time. And that's why uh, an average career is less than four years. Yeah. I mean, th- look at – I'll just use this example. I know I've used it in the past. If the Broncos had gone into free agency last year after the draft, it's quite possible they decide that Jeff Hireman is not a guy that they – Resign, you know, it's quite yep. possible that there are linemen that they choose not to sign because of the draft. Yeah, it would so be it it clear changes picture for the, your own free agents. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of changes the complexion a little bit. Yeah. So uh, those are our thoughts. Not nothing really clear, or nothing uh, made a little bit more of a direction for the Broncos uh, walking away from the combine. But do you have a favorite player that you are, were able to hit listen to or? Anything? Any big takeaways from what you were able to gather here? Um, favorite player? Uh, I mean, maybe we'd have to go back to, to Werfs there from Iowa. Mm. Just kind of liked some of what he had to say. Um, we had a we had a hockey player down at one of the podiums. Oh. Lemieux. Did he get lost? 
I think so. Yeah, Shane Lemieux yeah. from Oregon. He had some that good stories to tell. That could be a nice pick tell. for the Broncos. A, a guard there to play opposite of uh, Dalton Reisner. Yeah, and then... Uh, Maybe a second-round guy? Jerry Judy had some interesting quotes. He did have some interesting quotes. What did he say? And then he laughed. He kind of... Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say my main takeaway from the week, Phil, is that the Broncos have come here the last four years with some type of uncertainty, either about the coaching staff, but in general, it's been the quarterback position. In 2016, they had no idea who was going to start. I mean, I guess at that point, you probably thought, hey, Brock Osweiler could still be the answer. Had Peyton retired at that point? Probably. Um, as a combine approach? No, I don't believe so. So there was a lot of uncertainty yes. then. Well, I think people had an idea, but uh, not officially. 2017, so. you know, Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon were going to battle it out. You didn't know. Yeah. 2018, they didn't have anybody. You know, we didn't know that Case Just, Keenum was going to be the answer there. Yep. And then last year, of course, Joe, Joe Flacco, Flacco uh, it was unofficially official that Joe Flacco was going to be a quarterback, but we didn't know what was going to happen if they were going to draft somebody. For the first time they've in got a long direction. time, they've got a direction there, and it, it makes everything else seem secondary, you know? Yeah, it's you just like, fill in the pieces it's around like you're gonna find this guy. Which wide receiver? I don't know, but you're going to find one in free yeah. agency or the draft. Which offensive lineman is going to replace Ron Leary? I don't know, but it's going to be in free agency or the draft, and it'll get figured out. How then, are they going to sign these free agents? Who knows, but they got cap space. It's a drama-free, for the most part, offseason, and it's kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, they're like, oh, let's find a guy who compliments Cortland Sutton, let, who makes uh, it things easier for Noah Fant. You're, you're building the roster this way where you have proven commodities so I think that that's a, a definitely a benefit when you come into things knowing exactly what you're looking for. But there's there's plenty of other teams that are here this week that they don't know what they're going to do they at quarterback know. or last year ended really poorly or there's not necessarily a ton of hope for this year. I mean, you could probably toss 10 to 15 teams in that category. Yeah. And then you've got 10 teams here that are really secure. And then maybe that middle seven yeah, or eight group area. is where the Broncos sit right now and it's hey if things go right you can, make, can the make the playoffs a big jump exactly and so it's nice to be in that group again yeah uh, I'll just say my probably my favorite player was uh Mackay Becton he had some yeah. tremendous uh, sound bites a very funny guy um he said just run the ball behind me and I make the hole what's the problem it makes I it like sound that. simple it, he does make it sound simple you know the Maybe the best comment wasn't even made at the podium. It was probably Joe Burrow's tweet. Oh, yeah, about his small hands. Yeah, he was going to retire because of his That's small true. hands. That is true. People laugh at that, but I do think that hand size does matter a little bit. You think he would have so, thrown like 61 touchdowns if his hands weren't so small last year? I do think that, you know, you're playing in the NFC North. You know that you're going to be conference. bad. AFC North. I'm sorry, a AFC North. You're going to be playing in bad weather. Baltimore rains a lot. Pittsburgh's freezing. I do think you're going to have Cleveland, the some smog, bad weather, the smog so, in Cleveland. Yeah. So, I do think hand size matters to some degree. But How big are Drew Locke's hands? Uh, They're nine like and seventeen, a half, like seventeen inches. <laughs> but uh, obviously, Joe Burrow knows how to throw a football. He does. He, and he had no problems. So, not the not inconsequential, but. Not a big deal for him. So, anyway, those are our takeaways here from uh, the combine as uh, 
we get set to return home to Denver and leave this gray Midwestern uh, city where we enjoy to come. We like to go to the steakhouses. We do. We enjoyed them. We like to support the local businesses. Yeah, we... I support yeah. the local watering all. Exactly, exactly. So um, our thanks to uh, the guests that we heard from here on the Neutral Zone today, John Elway, Vic Fangio, Peter Schrager, Steve Weish, and Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, I probably should mention where Ben Swanson is, right? Who is that? Ben Swanson uh, could not join us here on the, the Neutral Zone today. He was uh, painting something, right? I think so. I think he... The workouts? Something yeah, well, it was like it was the bench press. But yeah, that's where he is. I think he's behind the curtain over there. Yeah, I, were they bench pressing him? Yes. Oh wow, that's not very heavy. No, I it's supposed to be two twenty. I could probably so do a lot of so yeah. two twenty five. That's like four or five Swansons. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You have any shout outs to get to before we say goodbye? Oh, shout outs. Uh, Liz Manis, maybe of Liz course. Manis. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah, and then uh, you know, you and I both proud Northwestern grads have some. Uh, yeah, friends meet up with a lot of journalism. Yeah, exactly. You know, this yeah. is kind of a, it's half combine, half Northwestern convention. Yeah. So I'm, nice that we get to see some of our old pals. I'm one of those uh, Colorado Northwestern guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Northwestern exactly. state. Exactly. So shout out Liz Manis just because that's what we do here. Of course. But then also shout out Northwestern Colorado. Yeah, we're close to the cats. Yeah, we are. We're in this Big is, Ten country. This is about as close as I get. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back before maybe around free agency, I think, is probably the next time we'll be back as uh, the Broncos dive into the 2020 season. That's true. You're going to look for some free agents across the pond. I'm going to go abroad for a little bit, see uh, what I can find. You know, this, we're trying to take this game global, so yeah. there is talent Yeah, elsewhere. We heard whispers of a Broncos game in London. We'll have to find out about that. That Are is you, something uh, that Vic Fangio mentioned. So. Yeah, you going to scout that out just to see? I'm just going to scout a lot of things. Yeah, well. So we'll see. But we'll wear, be back. Your, uh, wear your mask if you want to come back to the podcast. That is a serious uh, concern. Of course, coronavirus is spreading. I believe now there has been a case in every continent except Antarctica. Well, that kind of makes so, sense to me. Yeah. Australia? Yeah. Is that a country or a continent? I think it's both. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. But we'll be back before free agency. I so love Corona. We'll <laughs> Not a sponsor, Not a I don't sponsor. think. Sorry. We'll cut that out. But I uh, love West Rock. That is going to do it for us. For Matt Boyer, Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.